0: You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Kumo Majesty 9 Solus TA91. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
1: Welding instructor Alex Declare knows VR training platforms like Forge FX help students master their skills.
2: There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that
1: exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com/slash metaverse impact. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m. Wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m. Grab seats for the game. Come on!
0: November is here. We are in the heart of the football season. Hockey and basketball just starting up. Best way to get tickets to any of these games is on GameTime, the fastest growing ticket app in the United States. GameTime. It's obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. That's what they do. You can find exclusive flash deals, ways to help you save money, sponsored deals on games and concerts on a daily basis. Pretty sweet. With zone deals, you pick the section you want and game time picks the seat. Big time savings there. And with a game time guarantee, you'll always get the best price. You'll find tickets in the same section, same row for less. Game time will credit 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets and go with game time. The fastest growing ticket app in the United States, download the Game Time app, create an account, the redeem code is Colin, that's me, C-O-L-I-N, $20 off your first purchase, terms apply. Again, create an account, the redeem code, C-O-L-I-N, $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute deals, lowest-priced tickets, guaranteed. All right. This is going to be a good one today. John Middlecoff and I chop it up for almost an hour, but I want to start with the Denver Broncos tonight. You know, when Sean Payton came out and took that shot at Nathaniel Hackett, everybody freaked out. Whoa, that's over the top. Aaron Rodgers stuck up for his buddy. Sean Payton doesn't know anything. Nathaniel Hackett and the Jets last 40 drives, one touchdown. Meanwhile, Russell Wilson has taken Nathaniel Hackett's Russell Wilson, 84 passer rating, 16 touchdowns, 11 picks. Russell now is a 104 passer rating. It's all the same dudes. 18 touchdowns, four picks. Nathaniel Hackett is not a good football coach. Sean Payton's a great football coach. Listen to the passer ratings of Russell Wilson's career from 2018 on. 111, 106, 105, 103, 84, 104. Try to find the Nathaniel Hackett year. The Jets offense is now the most unwatchable offense. I'll make the argument that Zach Wilson's the least effective quarterback, starting quarterback I've seen in the NFL, and maybe in my life, Nathaniel Hackett. Sean Payton was right. Uh, what you're watching in Denver is amazing, and and Russell Wilson they've beaten the Chiefs, maybe the best team in the league. The Bills hammered the Jets today, and the red hot hottest team in the league in terms of winning streak, Minnesota Vikings, three weeks in a row, three games in a row. It's it's coaching. It's the same guys, isn't it amazing? That's why, you know, it. it we all know the quarterback leads. This league. That's why I'd never bought into Russell Wilson is is washed. It's impossible. You can't go from one hundred four, one hundred three, one hundred three, one hundred three. Can't play. It doesn't make any. There's no historical precedent. So Russell tonight made the throw of the night to Cortland Sutton, who also made a great play. Uh, had that really good. Uh, was it third or fourth down? Little lob over the linebacker was called interference, but caught anyway by the Broncos uh, under heavy, heavy pressure because of Brian Flores' blitz packages for the Vikings. Uh, kept dumping it off to P. Ryan in the backs and uh, and then knew some running himself. I mean, all the Russell Wilson stuff in Seattle is back. The playmaking, the good deep ball, uh, the good decision-making. Here's the thing with Russell Wilson. Sean fixed him. Or should we say Sean um, got him back on the freeway, the Russell Wilson interstate. This is how he's played at college, Seahawks, and Broncos, with one exception, the Nathaniel Hackett year. (laughs) I mean, go back to Wisconsin, Seattle, this Denver. It's always been the same player. Now, I don't think he looks quite as twitchy as before. Not quite as twitchy, but you're seeing basically the same stuff. You know, The other thing to remember, if you go back to Russell Wilson's real prime, probably four years ago, we've got a lot of new quarterbacks in the league who are explosive and dynamic and big and tall and they move well. So the quality of the quarterback play in the NFL has gone up, uh, I think, over the last five to 10 years. So this was a real team tonight. Minnesota's a real team. I mean, Josh Dobbs, a backup quarterback, you know, historically, there's a reason. Put him under pressure. He's not quite as dynamic, not as dynamic. But, I, you know, I look at Russell Wilson, 27 to 35, 260 yards. He doesn't make mistakes, gets you in and out of plays, moves well, uh, playmaker, the laterals, the quick screens. Uh, but it, it really is. For all this stuff about, you know, Sean Payton, it was too much ego. What you are watching is great coaching. From Hackett's disaster to the first three weeks of the year, where it was a bit of a mess, 0-3, to this now. It's fun to watch. And I know a lot of you are saying, well, Colin, you you know, you like Sean Payton. So of course this is what you think. No, what I like is really smart offensive coaches. That's what I like. I mean, look at the look at the offenses right now that uh couldn't close out games today. Bears, defensive head coach, Jets, mess, Seahawks, defensive head coach, Ron Rivera, Washington. Swept by the Giants this year. Yikes. Um Pittsburgh, defensive coach. Kenny Pickett is not getting better. In fact, I'll get into this later, but you watch Pickett and Jordan Love. One is getting better every week, Jordan Love. One's getting worse, Kenny Pickett. Look at the coaching cultures. Packers offensive culture, Steelers defensive culture. So I don't think uh, Russell Wilson would have gotten better this year with just anybody but Nathaniel Hackett coaching. But to be able to take Russell last year into Russell this year, the dramatic improvement, I don't think you can do that with a defensive coach. I don't. I don't think you can. I, I mean, look at how quickly Sean McVeigh got Baker Mayfield to be good, had two days of practice. Look at what Kevin O'Connell did with Josh Dobbs, who didn't get a practice. Uh, look at what Sean Payton has done to course-correct Russell Wilson. I, I don't think any of this stuff is a coincidence. I don't think defensive coaches can pull that off. Like, I don't think Justin Fields is ever going to be an elite franchise quarterback. But I do think it hurts him being with Matt Eberflus. Justin Herbert is playing his arse off. I think Brandon Staley, once again, Justin Herbert makes the plays. Brandon Staley can't make the stops as the defensive coach. So it, it's not that I know Sean Payton and like him. I've been on this for two to three years, and I know it's after a while it's irritating, but if you look at some of these quick turnarounds by these quarterbacks, uh, it's it's seemingly all offensive coaches. Um, You could have brought in a very good defensive coach this year at Denver, and maybe they would have won the same number of games, or maybe more. That defensive coach would not have taken Russell Wilson from last year and created this current Russell Wilson. Absolutely not. Tom Brady will joke privately, I mean, you know, and probably publicly to his teammates. Belichick didn't understand anything about offense, didn't even understand some of the terminology of it. It's a different world. I find myself, the AFC has got good teams. Start looking at the AFC teams that, 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 you know, You got a lot of these teams that are five and five and one game over 500 and 500 or one game under 500. It's Broncos, it's Chargers, it's Bills. There is so much talent in the AFC. It's just incredible. It really is today. Arizona, I thought pretty good team, faced an AFC team, lost. Minnesota, pretty good team, hot, faced an AFC team, lost. So the AFC is the superior conference. You're seeing it time and time and time again. Uh, This is, I felt tonight was the biggest win for Russell Wilson, even bigger than Kansas City, even bigger than Buffalo, because I felt the last drive of the game was so much about Russell Wilson's playmaking. It was so much about Russ cooking. Uh, You know, Kansas City was about Mahomes' second half offense. Not watered down, unable to really generate anything. The Buffalo win was about the Bills' mistakes. This game was about Russell Wilson in the second half, engineering several important drives, especially the last one for a touchdown. And uh, I th- I felt like this was as big a win for Russell Wilson as he has had uh, two, three years, maybe longer. It-, it felt like Russell's game. That that throw to Cortland Sutton, it- that play. Felt so much like a Seahawk play by Russell Wilson. So, um, and again, I I don't know, has Sean Payton fixed Russell Wilson, or is he just uh course corrected Russell back to being who Russell Wilson is, which has always been a minus quarterback, B plus A minus quarterback, you know, um 27 to 35, 260 yards, game winning touchdown, game winning drive. That feels like old Russ. of it, 85, 90% of it, old Ross cooking. And now for a segment called Making It Look Easy, brought to you by Morgan & Morgan, America's largest injury law firm. Trevor Lawrence bounced back off that embarrassing loss at home to the Niners, made it look easy. 24 of 32, two passing touchdowns, rush for two more. Trevor Lawrence, you know, I loved him at Clemson, making it look easy, just like Morgan & Morgan makes it look easy. Over a hundred offices nationwide, yep, 800 lawyers, $15 billion, they have won, recovered for over 300,000 clients. Morgan & Morgan makes it look easy. You'll get fair and reasonable compensation. They've been fighting for the people, you, me, for over 35 years. If you're ever injured, go to forthepeople.com slash Colin or dial pound 529 to check out America's largest injury law firm. Winning in the NFL is hard. Hiring Morgan and Morgan is easy.
1: 6 p.m. Book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
0: Terms apply. Former NFL scout. He's on the volume. One of our faves. We're going to roll for about an hour tonight. John Middlecoff joining us. All right, both of us want to get rid of Brandon Staley. So I'll get rid of that in a second. But I will say this. between We have two iconic franchises, Packers-Steelers, with two young quarterbacks. We don't love either. But I will say this. Jordan Love makes throws to his young receivers on calls by the coaching staff where it feels as if they trust him that they're gonna let him make some big throws in big spots. He was good on third down today, seven of 14. I thought the play calling was at times aggressive. He threw for over 300 yards. Now it's the Chargers. It is the worst coach defense with Brandon Staley, arguably for their talent in the league. But before we get into Brandon, I do think Jordan Love. I really think we have to acknowledge Packers have done a good job through the years, John, of drafting and developing players. They don't pick. They don't pick offensive players in the first round. Love was an exception, but I do see he'll never be Burrow accurate. That's not what he is. He's not going to be. He's not going to throw it like Stafford or Josh Allen. But Jordan Love, there's. So, I don't see anything with Pickett. I see something with Jordan Love. What is it? Well, I think when he was coming out. You had to look at
2: him like a poor man's Josh Allen. His stats weren't very good at Utah State. It was all the raw physical tools. He he is much more talented than Kenny Pickett. Right. Stronger arm, better athlete. But like you said, I mean, there'll be a guy flying down the sideline and he'll overthrow him. Right. But, you know, you know, young quarterbacks who haven't played much in the NFL, the timing, you got to get rid of the ball. You saw Aiden O'Connell do that a couple times. Another guy that has more physical skills than Kenny Pickett as a as a thrower. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I I do think you got to be very careful making judgments with quarterbacks when it comes to playing against the Chargers. But Gudikin said a couple weeks ago that the last ten games were kind of going to determine this guy's fate. So I mean, today was definitely not a negative for him. Right. Now, can he do that consistently down the stretch? The weather gets worse. He's got a lot on the line, and, and we've been talking about this nonstop. The Packers, because of the contract he's in, aren't in the worst spot. That's right. If they win and he progresses, okay. If he loses and doesn't, whatever. So, to me, it's a win-win. They're playing with house money right now. Never forget, in that trade, they finagled the second-round pick this year out of the Jets. Zach Wilson, I mean, their quarterbacks, the Jets are terrible. They They play the Dolphins coming up on Black Friday. That's <laughs> another L. So that pick, they're going to have some draft ammo. uh, But like you said, they invest all these defensive players. The crazy part about the Packers is their defense just never looks, you know, historically is never good, but they have a bunch of first round picks. And I paid guys on that side of the ball.
0: Well, you know, um, I mean, if you go Holmgren, McCarthy, Stafford, they've drafted first-round defense, but they've always been pretty progressive offensively. They've gone with offensive coaches to sort of uh, kind of be the, the chaperone of their young emerging quarterbacks, yeah. whether it was young Favre, young Aaron, or young Love. So I, I do think he... I, I just the play calling today. The young receivers. It's like, hey, they, they, Kenny Pickett. They're terrified of putting him in any situation to make a decision. They're not with Jordan Love. Now let's transition to Brandon Staley, who once again got snippy after the game. Um, I feel bad for Justin Herbert. Uh, Quentin Johnson appears to be, if not a whiff, he is just a non-factor until year two at a wide receiver. He's lost. He's over his skill. Over his head. I've heard he's struggling to learn the playbook. So he's got he doesn't play with a ton of urgency. He's loose. He doesn't run precise routes. But I I do you believe I mean, you're a former scout. You know how these guys think. I, I have to believe at least the Spanos Dean Spanos has to now at least consider sleep on it, making a change at head coach. Right. Yeah. I mean, by the time people are
2: listening to this, it, it might be official to give Kellen Moore that runway the rest of the year. Listen. How how did they not know when the season ended last year? I mean, they they had two of the most devastating losses you'll ever see. Right, two years ago to the Raiders with an interim head coach on a Sunday night football to get into the playoffs. Remember when Brandon Staley was doing ludicrous things like going for it on his own twenty yard line? I mean, in a in a winner get in game. And, and then last year to me was more symbolic of kind of what we've seen kicking the crap out of the Jags and then the blown coverage out of the blown coverage after the blown coverage today. And this is what I say when I preface by saying, we got to be careful about the Jordan love. I mean, guys are kind of wide open against the chargers. No team consistently blows the coverages, especially in big spots. That's not, you could be playing the bears or, I mean, the, the, the the Panthers and guys aren't as open. So it's, it's, you got to be careful with the chargers, but to me, the snippiness I, you just don't get to act like that if you're not Bill Parcells, Belichick, Andy Reid. Like, I mean, what what are you doing? And I think it reflects, he knows, I mean, th- th- this plane flight right home has to be extremely uncomfortable. Who knows by the end of the day tomorrow, he's not going to have to clear out his locker. And, and let's face it, I think Joey Bosa might've torn his Achilles. I mean, this this franchise right now is in major shambles for having a really good high-end quarterback. It's, it's kind of sad. It, it really is. You got to feel for... Uh, you know, just I, I don't know how many of them there are, but I actually know a decent amount from San Diego Charger fans for a team that always has talent. You know, a lot of crappy teams are like they can just the Bears. What do they do? The Chargers always have talent my entire life. I mean, back to the Drew Brees early days to the Philip Rivers days to this team over the last three or four years. And just the results the same. I mean, they're four and six to go four and six in the NFL. You got to be that's like the Giants, the Jets. Yes. I mean, poorly teams that don't have a lot of depth of talent. That is not the case here.
0: Well, and also the Spanoses um, have been cheap with coaches. There's been some first sure. round holdouts. Brian Dable was sitting there. Brian Dable wanted Justin Herbert. Brian Dable wanted the job. Tom Telesco knows Brian Dable. They've known each other for years. And the Spanos family went cheap. So you get what you pay for. So I, I like, I mean, I've gone to dinner with Dean Spanos a couple of times. I know his kids. I, Tom Telesco's a friend. Uh, they. If you look at some of the offenses struggling, Jets, defensive coach, Seattle in the last month, defensive coach, Washington, defensive coach, Pittsburgh, defensive coach, Chicago, defensive coach. Uh, this this team is just underachieving. The Spanos has had Brian Dayball there. Remember when they hired Brandon Saley? We were surprised by it. Big time. Big time. I mean, it was kind of a given based on Telesco's relationship with Brian Dable, uh, and 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 all my guys in the league. Again, you're a former NFL scout. My guys in the league were all like, "Oh, Dable's great." Eric Mangini, uh, whether we're at dinner or we're on the air, ha, has said like, "I will vouch for Brian Dable. <laughs> he knows him very well. He's like one of the smartest guys I've." ever had uh, the pleasure to be around. So I I, I look at the Chargers and I think to myself, you know, we can always blame this or that. The Spanos family had an opportunity. We go to Brian Dable. It probably, because Staley's probably one of the cheapest coaches in the league. It has to. And, be. It, and so the other thing to consider, John, if you give it to Kellen Moore, you can kick the tires on Kellen Moore as a head coach. You just figure out in the last six, I mean, doesn't that make sense to you?
2: Well, but but even if we rewind, whatever you know, eleven months, they had the opportunity. I I don't know if they would have had to pay as much that the Denver Broncos paid to get Sean Payton to come get that job. Didn't he love L.A.? He was right. Yeah. It was clear yeah. that he would have loved to work with uh, Justin Herbert. But what did that tell you? It, it wasn't to me as much about Brandon Staley. It was more, well, this price tag to get this guy, even if we don't have to give him the $90, $100 million Denver, we we're going to have to give a number that we're very uncomfortable giving, which to me, Colin, is is insane. I, I do think being cheap when you have when one, when you inherit the wealth, and two, when you're making the level of wealth these teams, it's like a disease because they're getting $400 million a year alone from the NFL. Alone from the NFL. Well, your payroll is $220 million. So you're talking an extra $120 million. And this is not a signing bonus. You don't have to give the $70 million to Sean Payton on day one when he signs the contract. You pay it over the life of the deal. So even if you got to buy Staley out for $15 million, these numbers to the 99.9% of people to these NFL owners are a line item. It's an expense. And I think some of these, you look at these old school owners that have been involved in the league when it was really, really cheap and money was not flowing like it was now in the seventies and the eighties, the bears are a good example. They're very uncomfortable with the way the digits have changed. It's why some of these owners that got into the eighties, but were Mavericks like Jerry or Robert Kraft are unfazed by the big numbers. They're willing to spend. But when you look at Spanos, 15, $20 million to buy a guy out and then $70 to pay a guy is un- is crazy to him. This is where I listen, you say what you want about Mark Davis. He has not been afraid to take big swings with money because he knows it's kind of all Monopoly money. Right. If this isn't real, you're not actually even, you could be the worst team in the league, right? I mean, you could literally not win a game and you get the same amount of money as the Eagles or 49ers that carried you television ratings. And that's not even counting the other money that you make. So, yeah, to me, Kellen Moore, uh, to give him a, I, I think that he's this a viable candidate in general, given that they already know him clearly. I, I, if we assume that him and Herbert have a really good relationship, like Brandon Staley, like Anthony Lynn, like Mike McCoy, is not going to cost the premium numbers. So you could get him a four-year deal for let's say twenty, thirty million dollars, whatever. I mean, it's a lot of money to most people, but to these NFL coaches, I mean, you got call. 15, 20 college coaches are making $9, $10 million. I know. And the other thing is in your division, you have the best coach currently in the NFL who has a 27-year-old superstar quarterback. And Sean Payton, who over the last couple weeks has proven like he's not the village idiot anymore. So, and listen, the Raiders, I mean, say what you want. They just have a lot of talent. Yeah, and they they have they've accumulated some players, so it's y- you better put some effort into this. What's the point of paying your quarterback all this money? And they they did cut him an enormous check, and they put him under the the premium contract. If you're not going to do everything humanly possible to surround
0: him, and it starts with the guy calling the play slash the head coach. Um, you know, I'm I'm watching. Uh, uh I want to talk Bills Jets. So I think about this a lot because I'm in my late 50s about picking on kids. So what if my kid was a quarterback for the Jets? I think Zach Wilson's yeah. about as ineffective as any quarterback I've, I've ever seen in my life play the position, uh, especially for a kid whose arm is fine. He's got a, he's got an average to above average arm. He's completely ineffective as a quarterback. I don't know if it's, um, you know, I, I think he was drafted as you noted in the COVID year. I think he's Johnny Manziel with a better arm. I just don't think, um, I don't know if he loves the game. He certainly doesn't inspire teammates. Uh, One of my favorite picks of the week was Buffalo today. I thought they sort of get right, pissed off. 12 men in the field, a blazing five. We had a good week. The Rams helped us. But one of my favorite picks was, you know, Buffalo's embarrassed itself with that 12 men on the field, all the turnovers, all the drops. They were going to come home. And this is sort of, and we've talked about this before, Thanksgiving going into it, Thanksgiving and coming out of it. This is the separation time in the NFL. Um, The Jets are in a strange spot. So they've got some cap space but they have to draft a left tackle. You could argue, because Elijah Vera Tucker's not ever healthy, they need five new offensive linemen, probably four. Um, you run the Jets. They whiffed on a left tackle and a quarterback. They've hit on virtually everybody else. As you well know, there's two positions, maybe three you can't whiff on. Left tackle quarterback are way up there. Would you bring Sala and Joe Douglas back? They're anemic offensively. There are another defensive coach team that looks just out of sync with the league offensively. This was embarrassing. This a humiliating loss. I mean, Christ! Even the Giants won today with 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 Tommy DeVito. You you We're own good the, by the way. Yeah, you own the Jets. What do you do going forward?
2: You don't really have a choice to me because that you went all in on Aaron Rodgers. And unless Aaron Rodgers wants these guys gone, and it sure doesn't feel like that, right, with Nathaniel Hackett coming on, that you have to roll it over. I mean, you're kind of beholden to him. I mean, some of these, there was a story that came out today that they're going to go after Devontae Adams in the offseason. Like, let's, let's focus on some other priorities here. Like, like, let's protect the quarterback. You already have a really good wide receiver. Look at Tank Dell for the Houston Texans. They found him in the third round. How about we got to get a guy in the mid rounds to be your number two wide receiver? You drafted a tight end. Like, you should be able to figure some stuff out. Let's let's invest in the offensive line. I I would bring these guys back just because of Aaron Rodgers. But if this does not turn around next year, they got to go fast. I mean, they might not make it through the season. It'd be like, if it's clearly not a playoff team at this time, to me, they're all gone because, let's face it, I had a guy tell me when it was clear that he had drafted, Joe Douglas drafted a lot of really good players, he's like, let's just pick seven of them. If six out of seven of them, you know, the Garrett Wilsons, the Bectons, the Sauce Gardeners, uh, the Pass Rushers, all become Pro Bowl-level guys, that's awesome, but if Zach Wilson is a bust, we're in trouble. And if all those guys are busts and Zach Wilson's a player, we'll get contract extensions and we'll be viewed as big time in the NFL. And while they were bailed out a little with the Rodgers trade, not really because he never got to play, and we got to see Zach Wilson on display again, and it consistently got worse. And I think we it's its easy to be objective with Zach Wilson because this year there's the immaturity like off the field is just quiet. It's just as the player. And he's objectively terrible. He doesn't know how to play the position. I mean, today... You could tell right away after the first quarter they didn't stand a chance. Like, no. didn't have a chance no matter what the defense did, no matter if they got 10 turnovers from Josh Allen, which clearly he was going to be pretty locked and loaded. Uh, he's a disaster. And you usually don't get bailed out when you draft a guy that high. The other thing, Robert Sala, I mean, you can just... I i, I had a take the other day when he was coloring his beard. Yeah, <laughs> Sala's a good-looking guy. In New York, though... And I think in the NFL, like, for example, Ryan Day, another guy in his early 40s, clearly colors his beard. A little different. Recruiting, looking hip and fresh. Nick Saban, whatever, colors his hair. Mike Krzyzewski does it Recruiting's a little different. In the NFL, no one cares what you look like. I mean, Andy Reid has been big for 25. It's about winning and losing. You cannot be focused on some of this stuff when you're losing, well, what do you notice today? Salah so shaved that thing off, right? It's just like, you just got to focus on, people are judging your team, not how you're looking, some of this other stuff. And I think sometimes the Jets get caught up in that. Like when the Giants are good, there's never any fluff around them. The Jets always deal with all that stuff uh, on and off the field. And I, I, I think those guys, the story about Aaron Rodgers coming back off the Achilles is insane. Like, what, what are we even talking? That's the dumbest story going. He's not coming back. He's never been coming back. And obviously, they're not even going to be in position because they're going to be so far out of it by that time to even risk it. But I, I think they got, clearly, they would not have been as bad if he was able to play. I mean, him yeah. compared to Zach Wilson, is is a pretty wide gap, but it probably would have been a little bit more of a struggle than people like me oh, thought it
0: was going to be. For absolutely. Them. They do not have a number two receiver. They're average at tight end. O-line's bad. And Hackett. Hackett's below average offensive coordinator. You know, something that I think about, John, I think about this all the time. A a friend called me the other day and he said, you know, Colin, you got the volume. You're doing well for FS1. You're doing well for Fox Sports. Boy, you really got leverage here. And I said, if you have it, be careful about flexing because people will remember when you don't. Aaron too often flexes. Alan Lazard. Now you're stuck with that contract, Aaron. They can't go buy Devontae Adams. He's, Alan Lazar's not worth that money. Randall Cobb can't play. Uh, Hackett, give me a break. Aaron wants you to know he's got power and too often uses leverage. And Brady had it his entire career in New England. Johnny never used it. He never flexed. He went to craft twice once on garoppolo and i was told even a year before garoppolo he he complained a little bit about belichick and the relationship and that bill could just be at times really if not hostile disrespectful but brady never used it by the way peyton manning didn't use it anytime aaron gets an inch of it he uses it lazard is now a bad contract hackett's a bad coordinator wouldn't it be nice to go out and buy the best free agent center on the market? And I think Aaron's his own worst enemy is that I I, I said this. I don't believe Aaron will ever matter in the NFL again. And that's not a knock on Aaron. It's not. I think coming back is a huge mistake. Uh, and he's better to just, you know, like most jet seasons, let it just, you know, put it in the washer, wash it out, dryer. We'll see what it looks like in a year. But I don't think he'll ever matter again. I do think eventually the Bills will go pay seven figures for an offensive coordinator. Um, Miami's not going backwards much. They have a really smart coach. Burrow will come back healthy. Baltimore's always good. You start looking, Brandon Staley, probably out. They have an offensive competent coach. Mahomes going nowhere. Russell, Wilson, Payton are now at least viable. They can play. This is my take. Aaron will never matter again in the NFL. Am I wrong?
2: Well, if you want to dive into those four or five plays he had before he tore his Achilles, one thing he always hung his hat on was he had like the Drew Brees level accuracy with a big time arm, but he could really move. Before he went down, he was not looking like 33-year-old Aaron Rodgers. There were a couple of movements where you're like, oh, he looks old. He's 39 years old. So he was not the same physically. And remember, coming off a pretty shitty year for his standards the previous year. Yeah. So th- this is a guy. I, I think sometimes, and, and I'm guilty of this. You just go, oh, eight months, nine months recovery. Come back. He's going to be 40 years old off Achilles. That even if the doctors and the rehabs are dramatically better now than historically, it, th- these are type injuries that ruin career. Look at Clay Thompson. The guy can barely. He's a shell of himself, and he's way younger and a much better athlete. And I know he had the ACL as well. But I, I think if you just based it strictly on the way you battle back. From an injury like that, when a huge part of what made you a really good player was movement, he's good. He's a good pocket player, but movement really separated him, made him an all-time great player. So, if he can't really move, what's he just going to do when he's getting you know pressured nonstop with that offense, just throw it away all the time, right? So, I, I think that because the one thing Brady and Manning always had is that was the only way they could play. They could never move. So they mastered it from the moment they were 24 years old or hell in college. Peyton was a little bit better athlete in college than he became in the NFL. But Rogers part of his game was like, screw it. I'll just take off right or hang off left, hit guys down the field. Well, that's going to be over. I think we have to bank on that being over. So, yeah, I mean, I would say I think the Jets big picture just have major, major problems. They took a huge home run swing, which I can't blame them. They didn't have any other options, but it immediately backfired in their face when his Achilles ripped. And now you're getting a guy back. Now, I think the only thing that they got going for him is he gave him money back, right? That that 75000000 million wasn't $110 million or whatever it was, right? So financially, they get a little relief based on that contract that they negotiated before the season ever happened. But yeah, I, I think they're in major, major problem. And this, like, what did they actually gain out of this year? All these good defensive players that are on rookie contracts, just wasted. You're going to go... I mean, they'd be lucky to go 7-10 and 10 again at this point. I don't see how they win another game.
0: Okay, so I want to talk, because um, I want to get into USC football with you and Chip Kelly at the end of this thing. But I do want to talk Lions and Bears. So, again, one of my favorite bets of the day was the Bears, because I think the Lions have a game Thursday. I thought they'd look ahead. Big win over the Chargers. Uh, I thought they'd, you know, and, and Justin Fields came back. So, um, you know, Carolina is bad. And, and so Chicago's going to get Carolina's pick and it's going to be the first pick in the draft. The only thing charging, you know, because the giants won today, new England's the only threat and Belichick will probably coach his way to a win. So Carolina, which is now the bears pick is number one, and they're going to have a chance to draft Caleb Williams. So I want to ask you, and, and it was interesting because I, I've called Justin Fields, a YouTube quarterback. If you just take his clips, uh Sam Darnold very much like this. I can give you 3 minutes of Sam Darnold that's jaw dropping. You're just I I could go USC to the Jets and you're like shit, that guy can play. And then you watch him and the slow release, two to three horrible throws, he'll get hit, he'll fumble, a little lost of line of scrimmage. And it was it, it was really interesting. So I had the uh the, just it was funny. This is how I think of Justin Field. So I had the Bears plus seven and a half. And when the Lions scored, I thought, please take time off the clock. Because if you score and give Justin Fields a minute, he'll throw a pick six. Well, sure enough, (laughs) he comes out, no awareness in the pocket at all. Hit, fumbled, ball gets kicked out, it's only a safety. But I was thinking, oh, don't give Justin Fields a minute. He will throw a pick six. And I think that, I think I've always said this about bullpens in baseball. It, it, none of us watch, as a sportscaster, you watch your favorite baseball team. There's too many games. You can't watch everybody. So a fan knows his team better than the media. And how you feel about your bullpen as a fan, you're a Giants guy. When they go to the pen. How you feel, regardless of what happens, because you watch, everybody watches their all. We all watch all NFL teams. You and I watch tons of college football. But in baseball, I watch a lot of Dodgers. I used to watch yeah. Yankees. You, right? And when the manager comes out in the seventh, how do you feel? Because you know that team better than Buster only, Tom Verducci, Peter Gammon's. And with Justin Fields, I feel like a bad bullpen. He can make plays. But if if you have to cover a game (laughs) and he trails, I'm like, oh my God, that's the feeling you get when you don't trust your bullpen in baseball. They're going to draft Caleb Williams, right? The Bears would draft Caleb Williams.
2: Yeah, I think Drake Mays really fallen off a cliff. I I, I got a draft take. We'll get to here in a little bit. But I think I I saw a report from Glazer that said they'd have to be blown away to not roll back with Justin Fields. like I I'm not. Jay knows all these people really well, but that, yeah. I just don't believe it. Like, Justin Fields is not going to be their quarterback next year. W- one thing I learned actually when I got into football and I worked for Pat Hill at Fresno State, and he had learned this from working in the NFL for Belichick, is how worthless highlight tapes are. Yeah. Whether it's for an NFL draft prospect or yeah. recruiting a high school kid, because like you said, you you can manipulate it. You can make any guy look like Zach Eric Wilson's. Or, Zach yeah. Wilson's highlight oh. tape was amazing. You, you have to watch games, and if you just watch a couple plays of the field, because physically he is an elite talent, right? He's big, he's strong, he can fly, he's got a big arm. On any given play, he can look remarkable. But over the course of a game, he's just not very good. Now, even today, coming off an injury, he missed a bunch of games, but he was not good before he got injured, and now that's a big part of his game, right, are injuries. This is a guy that gets banged up a lot. Like, say this, Kyler Murray, similar in the sense of physical freaks, Right in terms of speed, arm strength. He's shorter, obviously, than... He's a good player. Yeah, Kyler Murray, when you watch him, if you're a Texans fan, if you're gambling against him, keeps you on the edge of your seat. Absolutely. And And the one thing I saw today is, and this is why, and I know Mike Lombardi had been saying, you bring him back, you risk the contract, that if you got injured, you don't have a bunch of money. To me, you bring him back, one, because... I don't know if any of these players in the draft, including including Caleb Williams, will be as good of a player as him. When he is healthy, he's a legitimate in the mix to be a
0: top well, seven quarterback in the NFL. We don't like Arizona's infrastructure, their coach or their owner. In a division with McVay, Pete, Carolyn, Shanahan, he, he made him a playoff team. Kyler can play. I texted a couple execs today. I said, what could they get
2: for Kyler? They're like, well, they already paid the big bonus and a lot of money in the contract because that's how these NFL contracts work. They're like, I, I think easily if he keeps playing like he's looked the last couple weeks physically, they could get a first-round pick. Yes. Because I said, what do you think? A couple seconds. So his his value, like to me, Justin Fields' value isn't that great. He's still, because it's, his rookie contract's over – he, he hasn't proven that much beside running around. Like, Kyler's proven that he can – even today against the Texans, who are clearly pretty good, he's taking a team full of nobodies, running around, you're like, Jesus, guy looks good. Yeah. Second game off an ACL flyer, but he plays the quarterback position a little more naturally for a running quarterback, where Justin Fields, his sweet plays are just runs, but it doesn't feel like it's in the natural flow of the game. Yeah. and uh, Yeah, so I, I, I'm with you. I, I – Caleb Williams, I think Drake May is, is, is really fallen for people. Now, yeah. I think the Oregon and Washington quarterback are going to be fascinating evals. They've continued to excel. But I, I think Kyler is really, for a guy a year ago we were all making fun of, couldn't stop playing video games in the contract, to then getting injured. I, m- listen, men mature later than others. Like I, I matured a lot in my late 20s, early 30s. So to think that Kyler couldn't grow a little bit, they named him a captain. And I first thought maybe they are just doing that you know, to increase his value. What if they actually kind of like him, right? How many people do you meet that other people have told you, like, oh, this guy's not a great guy, or this guy's a bad guy, and then you meet him, and you kind of like him. What if they just have good interactions with him? He's playing well. He's done everything they've asked him to do, and they just enjoy the Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray experience. Experience. Plus, their head coach was around Jalen Hurts for a couple of years as the defensive coordinator, so maybe he knows how dangerous guys like this are.
0: If I'm guessing right now, Kyler Murray's a starting quarterback for the years of the Cardinals next year. So we, as we pivot back to Justin Fields, my takeaway is they're going to have the first pick, and because they lost again, this was a winnable game, they lost. They're, they're probably going to have the first pick and the fifth or sixth pick. Yeah. So you know, their their Eberflus is done. That's done. I don't know about the GM, but Eberflus is done. This is not one of the richer ownership groups. Virginia McCaskey's the oldest owner, uh, one of the poorest owners. Uh, she relied on Bill Polian to hire Eberflus. I think he's done. It's going to be really interesting. The, the idea, if, if you're not going to take Caleb Williams, okay, there's no question somebody else will take it. So you could, I mean, here's where you could say Chicago goes, okay, we're going to stick with Justin Field. I wouldn't. I think Caleb Williams is absolutely better. I think he's more accurate. He's more natural. He's equally as athletic. He's a power thrower and he's never been hurt and he gets banged around by USC's crappy offensive line. So I'm, I am, yeah, I think if Andrew Luck was a 10 prospect, he's an eight and a half to a nine. Justin Fields was a six. I would do it in a heartbeat. Plus, Fields has been in the NFL several years. He's been hurt a lot, like a lot. So, but my thing is you could get for that pick if you want to keep fields, John, you know, you're getting at least two firsts yeah. at least two firsts, but, but I, but I, that, to me, it makes no
2: sense to not start the clock over. Right. Because the, one of the most powerful things a rookie quarterback has is the contract. Well, fields next year will be going into year four. And I mean, this guy's not getting some long-term contracts. So even if you got to unload him for a fourth round pick to the Atlanta Falcons, who cares? Because I think you're playing with house money with the second pick. Then who knows? We've seen some of these teams. Last year, the uh, the the Lions are a good example. They went from like six to twelve, picked up an extra high second round pick, and got their starting tight end. So you can utilize that to gain more picks because they did screw up. You know, in in my mind, trading for sweat. Just given they they could have just paid him that contract on the open market and used a second round pick. And second round picks are so valuable. But with some of their maneuvering, maybe they're viewing we could play around and gain some picks back if we use that second round pick to move back seven spots, you know, to take an offensive lineman at 12 and get an extra second round pick. So I, I guess I could see some logic there if that's what they end up doing. But yeah, I mean, I, I would be stunned now. I think the big picture question is going to be, cause it's already been out there is the Eli Manning, John Elway, are they going to demand or, you know, that we're not going to go there. Uh, we're a long way. I think it's a little harder to do. When things have not gone super well for you as a player, even though it's not all your fault, but you look back at Eli Manning, it's not like Ole Miss was going twelve and zero when he was playing there, right? right? But he did have the Manning name, and his brother was already a superstar. Uh, John Elway's another example. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure what was Stanford like six and six when he came out to the pros. So right. I, you could argue, yeah, they're seven and five. Who cares? I mean, it's just the prospect is separate from the program, which is true. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I I think Caleb Williams, the way this has played out. Uh, I thought Drake May had a pretty good shot a month ago, but holy shit, he's he's been a lot worse uh, yesterday against a Clemson defense, which is really good. He just hasn't looked as good. And that's, yeah. that's part of evaluating the prospect is the more games you play, the more information I get on you, especially when you play better teams. Sam Hartman this year transfers to Notre Dame. Like, God, could this guy be like a second-round pick? Because his first couple games looked incredible. They were playing nobody.
0: Then they started playing people, and he looked like an
2: undrafted free agent.
0: By the way, Penix in a rainstorm made a couple of huge throws in that game. Huskies never, awesome. yeah, never had the ball. But Penix, uh, t- to me, uh, Caleb's the best quarterback I've seen. Penix throws the prettiest ball. Bo Nix feels like the best leader. Uh, Drake May's got talent, but uh, you know it's, it's fallen off. So you and I both agree we would take Caleb number one if we were the Chicago Bears. Without a yes. Right now, yes. Okay. So let's now, let's talk some college football. So I was thinking about USC and texting some friends. And I said, if you go look at college football, let me name the six or seven best programs the last eight or nine years, LSU, Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, um, Brian Kelly's Notre Dame teams, Clemson, um, Oklahoma, a little bit, but I, I wouldn't quite put them in that class. And I said, the one thing they all, and Oregon, Oregon's up there. The one thing they've had in common, it's not corners and receivers, it's not quarterbacks. They recruit the best large men. Uh, Oregon, as you well know, Panay Sewell's another example. I, I've watched Oregon play twice this year. John, they are big. They are they are Michigan big. They are a big team. Washington's talented. They don't look like Oregon. Okay. No. USC has not recruited big. People, when the best recruiter on your staff is a defensive back coach, you're in trouble. When Pete was there, the best recruiter was Ed Orgeron, right? USC is small, and Lincoln Riley is out here calling plays. That's how micro USC has been. They have fallen in love with Sark and Kiffin and play callers and play designers. USC is is compared to Oregon, is a small football team. And I, I've 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 watched them over the course of the last several years. And I said, th- their best recruiter, every college staff has a guy who just recruits. He can't coach, he can recruit. USC's best recruiters a defensive back coach. Don't know how good of a coach he is, but uh, the, the, the guys in the secondary, certainly they've plateaued, they don't get better. When people look at USC's issues, I just keep saying the same thing. And I was told this by an NFL coach three years ago who was out of work briefly, I met at a practice, he goes, they just don't look like Ohio State. They don't look like Texas. Even average Texas teams were big, six seven O line. USC has one defensive lineman, Bear Alexander, who will play on Sunday. It's it's rush ends. It's two hundred and seventy five pound defensive lineman. So my takeaway is Lincoln's into this wizardry of play calling. It doesn't matter. They had Sarkin Kiffin. They've always had good play callers. That's Arizona and Jed Fish. What makes you a 7, 8, top 10 program is big guys up front. It it hit me
2: yesterday. Think about the dynasties in college football, right? The last 15 years, Nick Saban, defensive guy. The current one rolling Georgia hasn't lost in forever, defensive guy. In the 2000s, Pete Carroll, defensive guy. Watch Michigan now. Harbaugh's a former quarterback, but he probably wishes he could have played defensive tackle. Urban Meyer was an offensive line guy, or I mean an offensive guy. He was a wide receiver coach, but he doesn't feel that way, right? He feels like a tough guy in the trenches, and that's how he built his teams. Bob Stoops, defensive guy. And you watch Lincoln, there is, and I've been saying this forever, you are who your mentors are in football because when you're young, it really shapes who you are. Now, it doesn't mean you can't put your own spin on things, but he's a Mike Leach guy. like that's He's a Mike Leach guy. Saban is a Belichick guy. Kirby is a Saban guy, right? I mean, th- right. Th- th- think about that. Th- and you watch the Kyle Whittingham's another guy who has who is wired like a tough guy. Who would he work for? Urban Meyer. What that program has probably I don't even think it gets enough respect for. They were in the whack fifteen years ago, and what they have become in the they've gone to the Rose Bowl back to back years because he values the trenches. And when I think about those Pete Carroll teams, it was the offensive and defensive line. Oh, yeah. and, and I mean, that's what Pete still and linebackers physical, yeah. big, like bruising,
0: blitzing linebackers.
2: C- can you imagine Lincoln having a trio of Ray Maluga, Brian Cushing, and, and Clay Matthews? Like and Rivers. They had the other
0: kid, yeah. Rivers. Yeah, because
2: because uh, Cushing, or was it Matthews, didn't even start the one year. Yeah. Right? He was a backup. And people are like, this guy might be the best prospect, and he's the backup. Uh, so, yeah, I just can't. When, even at Oklahoma, his best teams we're all fully loaded at the skill guys and the quarterback Kyler Baker, Mixon, CD Lamb, Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews. But defense was the reason they couldn't win it. They had a they had a they had a championship level offense, but they were soft on defense. I don't think you fake that. Well, that's who you are. That's what you recruit. It's what you see in recruiting because he was trained Through his first ten years of football as a player, and then he went into coaching even before he was done by Leach. And what to me that it's kind of like the Mike D'Antoni of football, offense, 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 offense. Well, that's never going to win. In it didn't win twenty years ago. It doesn't win now because you're going to have to play Kirby. You're going to have to play Nick. You're going to have to play Ohio State or Michigan. Both those two teams have NFL guys everywhere.
0: Here's something else you never see: Tennessee may lose, but Mike players are respectful, almost intimidated by the physical presence of Vrabel. Same with Tomlin. Same with Dan Campbell. I mean, if I said to you who plays hardest in the league, I could say Pittsburgh and Detroit. Those players respect that Dan and Mike Tomlin are men. When you watch Alabama, when they struggled early this year, they played their ass off. They were just incredibly limited at quarterback. Jim Harbaugh's team play hard. USC against UCLA. In the biggest game for the school and the alumni, mailed it in. They don't respect Lincoln. Lincoln Lincoln is very 2023. It's like media people. It's treat the player great. And it's all about the player. And it's all about the play calling. I thought the effort by USC was disrespectful to the coaching staff at USC. Chip Kelly's on the hot seat. That team was high-fiving, fist-pumping, jumping up and down, played with incredible intensity, USC acted like they didn't want to be there. And to me, that goes back to the coach. If you have limitations, I mean Chip's got some limitations at quarterback right now. There's not a lot he can do, right? You you and I watch, you watch certain teams and you, you just say, you know, it's limitations for Pete Carroll. What is he going to do at quarterback when Gino's out and yeah. Drew Locke comes in? There's nothing you can do. I, if I was a USC administrator or a booster, like that team they, they didn't respect Lincoln. That was an absolutely lethargic effort.
2: We talked about it last week. You, you know, my thoughts on geographically, the fit. I, I think it's clearly really weird. I think there's a mercenary element because a lot of times in college football, when I get a star coach, I get him from another program that's not on my level. Like Florida got Urban from Utah. USC got Pete Carroll. He was out of work. Washington got Chris Peterson from Boise. It's usually, it means a lot to them. Like when you look at Kirby Smart or Nick Saban, R- Ryan Day, or, or or obviously Jim Harbaugh, their, their program means everything. Usually you don't get Oklahoma to USC, right? You would go from... I don't know, like in Arizona State, you win 12 games back-to-back years, and then USC gets you. And it, it means a lot to you. You watch Lincoln Riley. He's there for one one reason only. They gave him $120 million. Yeah. And there's, a, there's an apathy to me when you watch the program. I had a scout tell me he thinks going to a lot of these programs, and he's been on the road for 20-plus years, the rivalries are not the same with all the transferring. It yeah. used to be embedded in you, right? Like like a family. You, you're taught from the moment you get into the program. And by the time, it's why when you hear older NFL players in their 30s talk about a certain rivalry, if you're Ohio State game, the Michigan game, or you're a Bama guy, the Auburn game, or Duke, North Carolina, it means it was ingrained in them the moment they. Now it's, it's kind of become a little, which I, I'm for transferring. It, it's awesome with the quarterbacks. But you're watching some of these games, like I, I didn't think it meant anything to USC. Anything. And, and me personally, I know I, I'm not as big a Chip Kelly guy. I, I don't think he cares that much about the program. Right. But, like, his program clearly cared more than Lincoln. And two games matter a lot to USC people. Like, are there rivals? Notre Dame and UCLA. Yep. You know, the, the Utah game, the Oregon game, the Washington game, obviously, especially Oregon and Washington, they're better than you. I, I think people can stomach that. But to get be lifeless against those two teams, imagine being the 60-year-old guy, who's been cutting big checks, is a big part of the program. That th- Those two nights a year mean a lot to that individual. And listen, I he's not going to go anywhere because of the contract. But it, I, I just don't see the fit. I, I don't see it working. And you have to wonder if there are a lot of people like, oh my. Because at least with Chip, right, he's not the amount of money they paid him, even though I think he got a contract extension whatever last year. It's not nearly on the level. I mean, this is like a Jimbo Fisher level on steroids contract. So you're just, you kind of got to make this work. And by year, if I would have told you at the beginning of the season that they went seven and five, you would have said, well, Caleb shatters his leg early on in the season. Maybe like their defensive coordinator gets fired after week two. You would have said, insane. It would have been impossible. Like an awful year for them felt like on paper, nine and three, right? They didn't beat anybody that they should have. And honestly, they're very, very lucky to win that Arizona game. They easily could be six and six. Yes. To me, they're much closer to six and sixteen than they are
0: a nine and three team, right? Yep. No, no. Arizona had them. Okay. Had one them. one more college topic, Harbaugh. So the Big Ten punishment is done. I do think it will be very hard, even at home, even with a superior team, to beat Ohio State without a coach, but it's certainly possible. So the feeling, the reporting, Bruce Feldman, among others, on Harbaugh is okay, NCAA punishment's going to be far worse people are saying he won't be allowed next year to be on the sideline. And I'll just give you my, my take on that. So, the LA Chargers will not pay for Harbaugh. They just won't. That's just not what the Spanos do. Chicago's a mess. Um, you start looking around, Washington's interesting, but they don't have a quarterback. The idea that Harbor says, okay, I can't be on the sidelines next year, according to the NCAA, I lose 20 scholarships over three years. It's a pretty stacked roster, even with our NFL losses. It this is now a completely two team. It's a two team conference. Oregon, Washington will be viable. USC's a mess, and UCLA is not in Michigan's class. And I thought I could see Harbaugh saying, Hey, I got my kids. My dad lives next to me in Ann Arbor. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay here. I'm I did the NFL. I got to a Super Bowl. Is that my legacy now? I'm not. I'm not leaving Michigan and it wouldn't hurt him. If they don't win the national championship, you can't take it from him. If you vacated wins that never ding Pete Carroll, nobody gives a rip about that. Um, If you don't let him be on the sidelines, I think you and I would agree. They'd still win 10 games next year. I mean, the key is coaching. That's the key. It's the week. It's the preparation. It's not the management of a. Coach. I mean, Harbaugh isn't a guy barking in a headset throughout the course of a game. He's not. He's a very much a a, a mentor uh, to his. He coaches coaches. On the, he's he doesn't not. call the plays. Calling. He's he's a He's a, motor, he's a figurehead kind of. Right. It's not like Lincoln Riley's are calling plays. No. That's not what he does. And my takeaways, they'd win 10 games without him on the sideline. They wouldn't beat Ohio. They wouldn't beat Ohio State and Columbus next year. Uh, but they, I think they get Penn State at home. The schedule is pretty favorable next year. Your thoughts on they end up either winning the natty or finishing second. George is playing very well right now. He stays through fairly punitive discipline because he his takeaway is this is my legacy And I'm going to stick it out. I think we all, a lot of people believe he's going to the NFL. I do not think there's many good jobs. I think the Chargers is it. And I don't think they'd hire him.
2: Yeah, I think there's two things. On the big picture with Jim Harbaugh, I do think he's kind of just found his role. (laughs) You know, Michigan's embraced him finally. It really works. He always kind of has that chip on his shoulder naturally, and now they got it back again when they're playing. And he's built the best team that he's had since he's been there, obviously, and he's going to have moving forward. You got the the kids all wearing the shirts. Like, it's kind of perfect for him. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think there's a very good chance. And clearly what he means to them, for them being this good, th- it's a $12 million coach. Even if he gets suspended, who cares? <laughs> I know. When, when you got an elite guy, like it, it, it does not matter. And clearly they are, have no chance to upgrade. So they are going to have to throw an enormous contract in front of them, which clearly they already had. And then this came up. I don't think that's going to change anything. The Raiders would be the one curveball. But if even today, they, they lost, but Antonio Pierce has proven to be, maybe, I think it's much easier for Mark Davis just to roll with him, not Same. pay as much, and Same. just take a deep breath. For a as couple of years. Yeah, I, I think Antonio Pierce has, like, the lead on that job. So I'm with you. The Bears and Chargers would be out. Short term, though, this quarterback's making me a little nervous because we all anointed him. He looked really good. The Penn State game, he's kind of got some 2019 Jimmy Garoppolo vibes right now. They, they don't trust him. He threw a terrible pick in the Maryland game in the red zone. They didn't have him throw a pass the previous week, partly because they didn't need to, but also is this guy playing his best football right now? So the way he's playing, do I trust them without Jim on the sideline, even if he is just their motivation style, makes me a little nervous. But I, I, I do think this is going to be Jim's finest hour this week. I yes. mean, he's back to the 49er gaze to the hell the peak when they beat Pete Carroll as a 41 point it's not the game it's what he does leading up I think you're going to get him that place is going to be going
0: bananas it will be the highest rated college football game maybe since USC tech I mean it could be 15 million seven
2: well I saw I, I looked it up this week 17 million people watched the 22 game which was the highest rated game in a decade so if 17 million watched last year. I mean, are they getting 20 this year? I mean, that's, that's like an NFL Monday night football game or something. That's an enormous. Yeah. It, it, watching football today, the because I'm guilty of this. Oh, the Giants should just lose. Like, the, the Packers just mail it in. The one major difference, you know, the NBA has really battled the tanking. No one tanks in the NFL. Even the shitty teams give you—the Giants are rolling out Tommy DeVito, who diehard football people couldn't point out of a lineup— and they're playing their ass off against a divisional opponent. (laughs) The Bears today, I mean, are giving you everything they have against a Lions team that's going to win 13 or 14 games. Listen, we can talk all we want about the product, these quarterbacks getting injured, but at least on any given game, regardless of the opponents, you get everyone's best effort. It may not always result in wins, but there's no like, oh, we're just going to mail it in today, or oh, this guy's not going to play, or this coach doesn't give a shit. That's that's not the case with the NFL at all, and that's – I mean, to me, a a big variable that has helped separate the NFL is baseball and basketball. Just give up on the season, you know, a quarter of the way in.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. You said that on J.J. McCarthy. I'm not a huge fan. I'm not. I think he's undisciplined. Um, I don't necessarily love his personality. If you told me today who I had to pick in order, it would be Caleb. (sighs) I, 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 I just want to dig deeper on Drake May. Penix Bonix, the kid at Duke is interesting. Again, let's just wait and see what transpires. I am not a JJ McCarthy fan. First of all, um, he misses some easy stuff. By the way, Matt yeah. Stafford did today. You know, they do. Like he, he misses easy stuff. But that I don't worry about Harbaugh not being on the sideline against the Ohio State in Ann Arbor with this roster. I worry about J.J. McCarthy. I'm just not sold on him. I I just, I I think he's loose. I think he's a little cocky. Uh, I think he misses easy stuff. I don't I'm not a big fan.
2: Well, think about this too. The majority of their games these last couple of years with him as a starter have been pretty easy. Right. When you watch Penix and Bo Nix, I mean, those guys Penix is in wild games every year, (laughs) but but going back to Indiana, he he has played in games where to just put his team in position. He had to be unreal for the most part. J.J. McCarthy, some of these lines, I mean, they are beating the living you know what out of just these teams that have no shot the moment they get off the bus against Michigan. So you get in some of these tight spots. It's like, God, does this guy even know what he's doing? And, And he does not feel as confident. He does not feel as calm. I also think we're too quick to, like, this guy has to come out. Maybe this guy should just stay in college all four or five years, however long he has eligibility. He's still an underclassman. He doesn't have to come out in the NFL. So, like, I at one point in time, people were talking about this guy being a top-ten pick. To me, he is not remotely close to that now. And obviously this week is enormous, and some of these playoff games, if he plays in them, will be huge. But that Maryland game, and even going back to the Penn State game, what they didn't have him do – I think is very reflective of their trust in the guy right now. And you can't tell me and I don't even know like what the you know the parameters are of the uh, suspension, but that Harbaugh didn't text someone at halftime at the Penn State game and said, "We're we're not throwing the ball." Kyle Shanahan, NFC Championship, do not they they cannot move the ball, run the ball every play. Do not let our quarterback screw us and give them a fumble six or a pick six. They are not scoring the ball, and I think it was a little they ha- they didn't have a choice this week where they had to have to throw a little bit, and you're just like holding on for dear life.
0: All right. Almost an hour, John Middlecoff, former NFL scout. He's at the volume three and out. He'll be all over Thanksgiving weekend. I will as well. Uh, All exciting stuff. As always, my man, uh, we talked a little Packers and Chargers, some uh, Justin Fields, Detroit and Chicago. For the record, got to give Detroit credit. They've lost that game for 50 years. They were outplayed, didn't play well, fell behind. The fact they came back and dominate the last quarter. They haven't done that in my entire life. Like I thought, I said to myself, "Okay, this is a different Detroit team. They've lost that game every single time. They get outplayed. It's over. This is a totally different Lions team."
2: Stat of the day: They're eight and two. It is the best start for the franchise since nineteen sixty two. Nineteen sixty two. That's that. That that to me shows he at this point in time, is the lock coach of the year, right? Given the franchise that he's taken to be a – even if they end up with a 3 seed, I don't care. You you win 12-plus games for the Detroit Lions. What a year. What a game. Have a
0: good Thanksgiving, buddy. See you later, Colin. You too. The Volume. In the NBA, the games can change in an instant, but no matter how the action unfolds, do you know that DraftKings Sportsbook has – You covered this week. New customers can score $150 instantly in bonus bets by just betting five bucks on basketball. How good of a deal is that from DraftKings Sportsbook? Win or lose, you get the instant W, instant. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Please use the code Colin, C-O-L-I-N. New customers, $150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just five. The code is Colin C O L I N only on DraftKings sportsbook download the app code Colin the crown is yours Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope ny 467 In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, KS, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and and responsible gaming resources